Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gomison with the Speaking for Him podcast. I am once again grateful to be able to join you for a wonderful time, I hope, of encouragement and blessing as you continue on this journey that we call the Christian life. Today, I'm going to review a film called When Hope Grows, and this film actually, believe it or not, came out seven years ago. I couldn't believe how long ago it came out when I looked it up to review it for you uh, because I remember wanting to review this film right away when it was in theaters and for whatever reason I couldn't get there and then I just did not have the opportunity to watch it. Uh, But now I have and I'm excited to get into this review for you uh, because it, it was a very good film and so... Looking forward to discussing that. But first, I want to talk to you about what is going on. Well, as you may know, Joe Biden nominated for the Supreme Court a lady by the name of Ketanji Jackson. And this lady... As she's vying for the Supreme Court, which is the highest judicial post in the land, she was asked one very important question. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word "woman" is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition, Senator. In my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not the fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. All right, so let me just say, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, it's very clear from Scripture that there are two genders, male and female. The Bible says God made them male and female. So each gender is an expression of God's unique creativity. And science tells us that there are two genders. And it amazes me how far we will go to be politically correct to the point where this person who is up for one of the highest offices and most prestigious honors that you can possibly get as a judge, and she says that she can't define a woman. Let's unpack this for a second here, because I find it very interesting that 10 or 15 years ago, uh, the whole fight was that women needed equal opportunities to men. And every once in a while, you'll still hear someone say that women don't get equal pay to men or they'll throw out something else where women are not equal to men. And so that was the big push 10 or 15 years ago. But now we can't even define what a woman is. So that is going to be very hard and very interesting if she gets to 
the Supreme Court level, and she's supposed to be uh, making decisions for women, among others, and she doesn't even know the definition of one. And Newt Gingrich went so far as to say that he believes this disqualifies her from this post. I want to ask you about the U.S. Supreme Court. We have a nominee here who was chosen among a group of people for, among other reasons, because she's African-American and she's a woman. So he had a very limited uh, list of individuals to choose from who served on the court, and he picked the most radical one among them, supported by the most radical groups in America. And, again, she was chosen because, among other things, two of her qualifications was she's African-American and a woman. And then when she's asked to define one of those qualifications, that is... What's a woman? She refused to do it. Isn't she just hiding her true radical ideology? No, I think she laid it out pretty clearly. She can't define what a woman is. Well, you show me somebody who can't define what a woman is, I'll show you somebody who is so radical that they clearly are not part of any reasonable mainstream. And you put a person like that on the court, uh, I mean, I, I think she seems to have a pleasant personality, but she clearly has nutty ideas. But, but then, look, I'm old-fashioned. I actually do think that there are men and there are women. Uh, I don't think we have birthing persons. I think we have mothers. Uh, I don't think that guys who pretend to be female and win swimming matches, therefore, are, are heroes or heroines. I'm not sure what you call them. I think that that destroys Title IX and destroys the future of women in athletics. Uh, and I think that we ought to be blunt about this stuff. And this is a fight we need. And frankly, uh, she should be disqualified unless she can come back in and explain what a woman is, and she can explain whether uh, words like he and she are acceptable pronouns. Uh, and I just think this is this is the core of the cultural war that we're in the middle of between a, a religiously secular, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, anti-Muslim belief system that wants to change all of us and get us to memorize 62 different pronouns so we can be sure to call people what they want to be called. I'm, I think she disqualified herself by that one answer because it, it was an answer. No, I can't define a woman. That is an answer. And anti-science, I might add. You don't have to be a biologist. You can be a third grader and know the difference <laughs> between a boy and a girl. And I would say this. She's promoted critical race theory in many instances, and then she plays rope-a-dope like she doesn't know what critical race theory is. Uh, and uh, Newt Gingrich, I want to ask you this. Is this a winning argument for the Democrat Party? Because not a single Democrat in the Senate has spoken up against her. Biden, of all the people he could have chosen, chose yeah. her. This runs counter to the parental grassroots movement that goes on in this country where people want to control their schools. And these cases will come to the Supreme Court where she is going to be voting on what is the definition of a woman. So that is Newt Gingrich speaking about Katanji Jackson, who is the current nominee for the Supreme Court. And as I've already played for you, she said, I cannot define a woman. One thing that I find interesting is she didn't just sidestep the question. She made a definitive answer to it and said, I cannot define one. And like Newt Gingrich said, all this does is undermine women. You know, for so many years, feminists said that they had to fight for the rights of women. 
the equality of women. And now they can't define a woman so they won't protect the woman. We saw this with the Leah Thomas debacle, which we discussed last week. By not putting a concrete definition on what a woman is, they have failed to protect the future of women in college swimming. And there's potential for them to compromise Olympic competition in the future. Now, as far as I know, the Olympics has come out against uh, having biological males compete as women, but it is the next logical step. So I think it is important, I agree with Newt, that you need to be able to define a woman if you're going to speak on women's rights issues. And particularly telling is the fact that the very reason that this person was chosen was for two specific reasons. Number one, that she was African American, and number two, that she was a woman. How can you say, as the president, I chose this person because she was a woman, but then also have that person that you chose say, I can't define a woman? That doesn't make sense. The other part of the clip with Newt Gingrich talked about critical race theory. And a lot of liberals like to say, well, critical race theory isn't taught in our schools today. But the way that they are looking at it is they're saying, well, we don't have a class on critical race theory. But let's be honest, that's not how critical race theory is taught. Critical race theory is a more subtle discussion and creeps up in individual subjects, not as a class in and of itself. So it can be very hard to to point to a specific class and say, that's critical race theory, Uh, let's get rid of it. Instead, it is a worldview, and any subject, whether it be social studies or history or science, can be taught from that perspective. And so I think that's something we need to keep in mind as we consider this issue. Before we get into our main segment today, I wanted to share with you a featurette about When Hope Grows, talking about the main uh, actor who portrays Produce, a young man with Down syndrome, who is a grocery store uh, clerk, and he befriends a struggling alcoholic former baseball player and changes his life and the life of his daughter. And, you know, he also changes the minds and perspective of other side characters in the film. And I just think that this is a very powerful film, and one of the things that sells it is the powerful performance by this young actor. Here we go, guys. Pictures up. up. Full sell. The process of casting Produce was so interesting because we got to see actors with Down syndrome from literally all over the world. But two different organizations were like, you got to meet this kid, and that kid was David. Hi, I'm David Deschenkos. We just worked with them a little bit here at home, and Bill taped it and sent it in. What's your real name? Henry, but I like Produce. 
David stood out. Like, you saw David's thing and you laughed. Eventually, he became the decision. I couldn't imagine it being anyone else. A local man has just been cast to play the main role in a major movie. We decided he's got the job. I did not even know the possibility for me to get this role at all. First day we were going to do a read-through, and I handed him the script, and I was like, can you read all this? Did you start flying through? And I was like, all right, and away we go. You're such a natural. David is an incredible actor. Working with him blew away any preconceived notion I had about Down syndrome. He showed up on time, he knew all of his lines. He's so, like, crazy and carefree and has, like, so much energy all the time. Go, bro, dude. Go, bro, dude. He's a cracker. He's witty, he's funny, he's smart, he's fast. I mean, he's faster than me. We don't know how long that I've dealt with this freak show. <laughs> he loves people. He's a people person. So the more people he meets and gets to know, it's more fun. He's really acting, you know? He's not just memorizing lines. And he's got a talent. Give him my keys, brothers. I can't! You see how much he loves acting and he loves doing what he's doing. Ready? Got that? Cool. Right, let's go. Produce is about finding hope and faith in the most unlikely place. People that might actually have a little more together than we think. I think the biggest thing I've learned from David is not to treat him any differently than I treat anybody else. If someone sees a person with Down syndrome without really knowing a person with Down syndrome, they expect so little of them. But in fact, maybe they have a better perspective on life than all of us. David, just like this! And the whole cast and crew did their best this whole past four weeks. My abilities are way far more important than having disabilities. Down syndrome 100% does not define David. Not even close. David is David. He just so happens to have Down syndrome. I think you'll see as you watch this film that this young man is definitely talented. And you know from listening to this podcast that here at Speaking for Him, uh, we are very pro-life. It's a big issue for me. It's something that I'm passionate about. I spent 10 years at the Right to Life of Michigan. And one thing that you find as you study this issue is that 90% approximately of all babies that are diagnosed in utero of having Down syndrome are aborted. And there was a story, I can't remember where it was, I think it was Ireland uh, not too long ago, who said that they had eradicated Down syndrome in their country. And at first blush, you're like, well, have they figured out something medically to bring down the instance of Down syndrome? But no, the reality of what they were saying was that they had allowed people to get abortions for Down syndrome, and that had brought the cases down to virtually nothing. And, my friends, that is sad. Uh, Because these young people who have Down syndrome have such a unique take on the world. As one of the actors said in that clip, she said David was very carefree and that he had a lot of fun and enjoyed himself. 
And just just thinking about that and how uh, people with Down syndrome tend to not allow the cares of the world to overwhelm them because they have a very simple way of looking at things. And I have often thought that the the more simple around us are here so that we can pause and have an opportunity to learn from them and also have an opportunity to learn through serving them. I think that's something that gets missed in our culture is that learning through service is an important learning opportunity. I hope that you will evaluate in your heart today, how is it that I treat people that are different from me and how can I improve in this area? Trust me, I think we all can improve in this area and my encouragement is not something that I'm not encouraging myself to do. As I'm encouraging you, I'm also reminding myself to treat everyone with dignity and the way that I want to be treated. All right, well, I'm going to start out our main segment by giving you our quote of the day. And this quote of the day is actually an entire conversation from the film because I couldn't find just one line that was sufficient. But this conversation that took place between the main character and his daughter was particularly moving to me. And the main character's name is Kelvin and his daughter's name is Katie. So here is that conversation. They are uh, talking after they've gone through a very dramatic event. Katie says, what good is it to pray if you don't get what you ask for? And then Calvin says, okay, growing up, did I give you everything you asked for? Katie says, of course not. Calvin says, no, but I love you so much, and I want you to have everything that you want. But sometimes it's not in your best interest. I'm saying God is probably not a genie just granting every wish. And I really appreciated this perspective because a lot of times, even when we when we watch these movies, uh, we expect everything to turn out all right in the end. And that often is then what we translate into real life is we want everything to work out in the end. And by working out, we mean work out the way we want it to instead of yielding to the higher ways and the wisdom of God. And so that really hit me and touched me. So my general thoughts about this film, the first thing that stuck out to me is as I'm starting to watch it, I'm realizing that it's PG-13, not just PG. So I want to put a little proviso in the beginning of this review and just say uh, evaluate it before you show it to your kids and then decide who is old enough for it. There's nothing graphic or gory. Um, there's just some very important, intense uh, topics and things that happen. So just make sure that you are aware of that. So the basic premise 
of this film is that Kelvin is a washed up baseball player and it's never stated, but it's, I believe heavily implied that part of the reason that he got out of the majors was because of his drinking problem, because you can't really sustain athletic success if you have a heavy drinking problem, or at least it is very difficult. And he also has a daughter who is 17 years old. And another thing that's not discussed is the loss of his wife. Um, and because that might explain his alcoholism to a degree, but that's never touched on in the film. Well, he starts getting in the habit of going to his local grocery store every day to get more alcohol and he runs into produce. Um, in that, uh, clip that I shared with the David DeSinctus interview, it actually said that he was, um, Henry, I think, but they didn't put that scene in the movie. So he's just known as produce and he, becomes a source of inspiration for Calvin and Katie as time goes on. Now, one thing I really liked about this was this kind of the slower development of the way this unfolded because it can be tempting to to start out in one place and then kind of speed through and and you know, before you know it you've had one montage and everything's right with the but I really like the way things developed and there's just a lot of subplots involved with this film. And I will get into more of that detail with you in just a moment. But before we go any further, I want to share with you a trailer for When Hope Grows. I think there's somebody here tonight who deserves just a little bit of recognition. It's not because he's a regular here at Stevie Ray's, or even because he was a Detroit Tiger. Simply because it's his birthday. Give it up for Calvin Campbell. Are you drunk again, Mr. Campbell? Uh, where do you think you're going? Out with Colt? No, you were 16 years old. You're 17, Dad. What happened to us spending my birthday together? I don't know. You've been feeling sorry for yourself since Detroit kicked you off the team. Come on, Milt. Your whole life just gonna freeze? Can't get over the fact that he would embarrass me in the majors. What time did you get home? Late. Don't you think it's about time you got a real job again, Dad? How are you doing this afternoon? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Even when I'm doing bad, I'm doing good. How about a magnificent day? Hi, Mr. Campbell. Produce. I was supposed to be great. Did you drink that whole bottle? Not yet. Do you have any idea what it's like picking up the man who calls himself your father at the police station? Hi. Produce? Do you want to come to a church with me? Who is this friend you've been spending all this time with? Hey, Produce. Been doing shopping cart. I guess I just came to talk. To me? I could use some of that magical happiness that you always seem to have. Feel sorry for him? No, I feel sorry for you. Oh, yeah! This is incredible. I haven't had much faith in anything in a long time. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
I love you so much. And I want you to have everything. You spend a second with this kid, and you realize he's just like you and me. Hey, Miltov, sir. So this film stars Christopher Polaha as Calvin Campbell, David DeSignis as Produce, McKaylee Miller as Katie Campbell, William Zabka as Milt Malcolm, Danica McKellar as Susan Malcolm, Alan Powell as Franklin Weaver, Brooke Burns as Amy Boone, Michael Grant as Colt Beam, Clyde Jones as Dexter Douglas, and Kerr Smith as Mitch Minear. And so it's a pretty uh, good cast, very well acted. I especially like the performances of Christopher Polaha as Calvin and... David DeSanctis and McKaylee Miller. Uh, they really provide the nucleus of this film, and I really think they do a, a fine job. Um, so there, there's several things going on here, as I said. First of all, you have Produce, who is just always happy, and he says, even when I'm doing bad, I'm doing good. And, you know, that really shows the truth of the Bible that you can have joy even when things aren't going your way. And he's just the personification of that, which is an awesome thing. And then you have this storyline of Kelvin Campbell trying to decide what he's going to do after his major league career is done, and he doesn't really have much to live for. And then you have his friend Milt and his wife and there's some tension in that marriage and just a a interesting side discussion. And then you have people's overall perception of, uh, produce because, uh, Katie's boyfriend works at the store where produce works and he really treats him horribly. And I think he kind of starts to resent him even more when he realizes that he's getting some of Katie's attention because he's a kind, generous soul who is very protective of Katie as the, as the show goes on. And so I just really liked this film and I feel like it was very well done all throughout. Uh, the script was written well, you know, often there's things that are, uh, cheesy and, uh, you know, you kind of scratch your head and say, why did they do that in this film? I don't feel like that's the case. Uh, I, I think that when you get done watching it, you really feel energized. Uh, you feel encouraged. Uh, I'm not going to give away the ending, uh, but it was a very surprise ending. And a lot of times the endings of these movies are predictable. So I give them major props for coming up with a surprise ending. And I just really like how he realizes after he meets Produce um, that he needs to make changes in his life 
And it's just exciting to see how God uses someone simple like produce to change the people around him. And as Mr. Campbell starts to put his life together to see his daughter and him uh, restore their relationship is an awesome thing too. And it's through this process that Katie realizes that her boyfriend Colt is not a good guy. And so she decides to walk away from that relationship and it turns out to be a really good thing. And then, uh, produce protects her and gets her out of a very scary situation with that boyfriend who is very self-centered and doesn't think of anyone above himself. So I really appreciated that. If I were to point out some negatives of this film, I would ha- I would have to say that the the spiritual side of things was not as clear as I would have liked it to be. Now, some people will say that that is a plus of this film because some people say that Christian films get too preachy, and I'm pretty sure that that is what they were going for. But as someone who is a preacher and has a passion for the gospel, I would have liked to see more of an emphasis on that. I also think that even though he was an alcoholic, they probably could have toned down some of the drinking scenes just because it was established early on and it continued. But at the same time, looking at it from the other vantage point, I think it shows how the struggle is not something that's easy to get over and how he had to constantly... uh, fight with his demons, and he finally realized that he needed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous to get help and to admit that he was an alcoholic. And once that happened, he was able to be there for his daughter. He was able to start to realize that she needed protection, um, that she still loved him, and that she wanted a relationship with him. Because at one point early in the film, she says, I've given up on you. So that's definitely a a good thing to see how these storylines come together. And it's also interesting that there was another lady at the grocery store named Amy who Produce really liked and enjoyed. And then it turns out that she is the leader of the Alcoholics Anonymous group. So the implication was that she struggled with alcoholism herself. Um, But she overcame by the grace of God and through admitting that she needed help. And so it's just really interesting to see how one person produced could bring these people together and make them appreciate each other and enjoy each other. And I really liked how Katie was able to see the contrast between the way that produce treated her with love and respect and the way that Colt treated her. Uh, because he was only out for himself. And, you know, there's one scene where Produce gives her flowers, and there's another scene where he gives her his coat, and again, this other scene where he 
gets her out of that dangerous situation, which I'm going to allow you to find out about when you watch the film. But in each of these cases, she's able to see a selfless love that he has for her and to know what true love is about. Because we we toss around the word love in our culture and we don't really think about its true implications. And I really feel like uh, that is something that was really good about the way things were portrayed in this film was that there is a selfish version in our American culture of what people might call, call love. Like at one point Colt says, if you really loved me, then we would be um, going further in our physical relationship basically. And she says, no, I'm not ready for that. And she ends up, as I said, getting out of that situation. But that's not love. That's just lust. Like I said, just him, uh, produce being so joyful and encouraging to other people. He quotes from the scriptures where it says, a joyful heart does good like a medicine. And he carries his Bible around and his Bible is very important to him. And at the end of the movie, he actually gives his Bible to someone else who needs it. And, and we hear uh, portions from Matthew being read about um, Jesus. And that is a poignant part of this as well. So what would I say is the biggest lesson from this film? Well, there, there's, like I said, there's several uh, subplots. There's the subplot of a father-daughter relationship being restored. There's the subplot of showing how destructive alcohol can be, and that happens on multiple levels, as you will see if you watch the film. I, I know I'm being a little cryptic, but I... I tend to give away a ton of spoilers in my movie reviews, so I'm trying to be a little bit better at that and just allow you to find that out as you go through. And then there's another uh, kind of smaller scene where the manager of the grocery store says, well, I hired him because I have a soft spot in my heart for him, talking about produce, but he's got all the sense God gave a cucumber, basically insulting produce, even though he proves himself to be very smart because he knows things like all the Q numbers for every vegetable and fruit in the market. Uh, but this is a conversation that ensues because Calvin Campbell says, well, can you make him employee of the month? Because that's one of the things that produce wants. and He doesn't want it just handed to him. He's worked hard for that possibility. And one of the things that he he says in this conversation is that uh, produce is just a retard. And one of the poignant lines in this is when Kelvin uh, looks him in the eye and says, "We don't. We shouldn't say the R word, just like we shouldn't say the N word. We need to be very careful about our word choice." And 
that may seem like a throwaway scene, but it actually was, I think, very well done and very important to the story. And I really hope that it opens people's eyes to how human uh, each of these people are. And then there's another scene where the pastor is speaking at a funeral and he says, there's two dates on every tombstone, but the most important part of life is the dash between those two dates. And so I really thought that that was a very good observation as well, uh, that we need to make sure to live our lives to the fullest. And one of the things that Calvin struggles with is that he has been living in the past and not embracing a future. And at the end of the film, uh, you see him taking a very exciting new opportunity and embracing a future. You see that Katie is happy and you see that Amy has become a part of his life. And I just really like the progression that this film uh, took and the way it was written. It was very well paced. As I said, they didn't rush anything and they really developed a lot of nuance within this story. And so I really appreciate it. And, you know, as we're discussing lessons, I think the biggest lessons is that forgiveness is a powerful thing that we need to treat people the way we want to be treated and that people who are different are often not as different as they seem. Uh, Because we all have things that make us unique. We all have things that make us different, actually, uh, because we were created by a creative God who put his stamp on each and every one of us. And he doesn't make mistakes. So before I wrap up this review the time has come to give you a a rating. And I feel kind of spoiled lately because the last movie that I reviewed for you, um, which was Sabina, Tortured for Christ the Nazi Years, I gave it a solid five rating. And I think I'm going to do that again here today with When Hope Grows. It was a very well-done film from beginning to end. It held my attention. It was very well acted, and it was very well produced. There was some humor in it. It was just a very well-balanced film, and as I read you the cast, you know, there's, there's some really good names in this cast as well. Um... Billy Zabka being from The Karate Kid and Danica McKellar being from The Wonder Years and from several Hallmark movies. Christopher Polaha has also been involved with Hallmark and I I really like um, McKaylee Miller as well. She was just a a very uh, good actress and I really enjoyed watching her in this film. And the cast obviously had wonderful chemistry. 
So I really recommend that you watch When Hope Grows, and I really think that you will end your time watching this film with a renewed hope and a renewed uh, desire to make the most of your life. Well, that's about all I have time for on today's episode of the Speaking For Him podcast. But thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this with your family and friends because that's how more people find out about us. Please make sure that you contact us with the contact information that is going to run at the end of the show. And also make sure that you are making plans, if you so choose, for our 500th podcast episode celebration at Brands in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You can find more details if you go to my Facebook page and scroll down to find the event page on Facebook, or if you are my friend on Facebook, just search 500th episode celebration and you will find that event and you can RSVP there, or you can let me know by the contact information that is about to roll. With that being said, I hope that you have a wonderful week and that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 